0: I do uh, bring greetings from my folks, Dot and Fred, They've young younger people will not have known them, but they were here for uh, up until eleven and a half years ago, and um, very active in the church, still very fondly uh, follow the life of the church. They they get the monthly newsletters and so forth, and just love to, to find out what's going on here, and I'm very happy that I was able to come up to... To preach this morning and thank you for your uh, prayers and your missionary support. It really means a lot, especially to Sharon. Thank you for uh, asking for monthly prayer needs and to know that there's a congregation among others, but and many other people, but to know that there's a congregation uh, that uh, is praying regularly is very, very meaningful. To, to us and then to all missionaries, I can guarantee you, uh, we cherish the prayers of God's people. And I can't help but remark that there's such an interesting open spot there and open spot there. there it, just, it makes it very interesting for preaching, because I'd love to just look there and look there, but there's nobody there. Um, oh, well. Um, I'm going to read from... Philippians chapter 2, and that, that is interesting, Kevin, uh, that, that this is the theme, uh, or part of the theme verse, because as you were describing the VBS, I was thinking, gosh, that is so much of, reminds me so much of Philippians, and then it turns out that uh, it should remind me of Philippians. Um, starting at verse 5, where we, uh, chapter 2, where we read, have this attitude or mind, in yourselves, which also is in Christ Jesus, who, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men." And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, obedient, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven And on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I want to begin by asking you why we do you think we believe human beings are special? I would say most believers, if not all Christian believers, think that human beings are special, Uh, but is there a really good reason for it? You know, in the uh, animal rights movement, one of the contentions there is that all of life is just one continuum. It's flat. Human beings are are here, but animals, fish, birds, and so forth may be here, but it's one flat continuum. And in terms of ultimate value, it's flat. There's, We may be just a little uh, more physically, mentally developed, but there's nothing truly intrinsically valuable about humans that's more special than at this end of the spectrum. And in fact, I was even re- reading recently that there are even now sacred rivers that have been given uh, Status almost as human beings. They have rights. Uh, They've been endued with spiritual rights. Uh, uh, There's this particular river in New Zealand and then in India. So, why in the world would believers think that we as human beings are special? Well, I think God's answer to that is in Genesis, where He says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every uh, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. So, in other words, God is saying that um, I have created this spectrum of life, yes, I've created all the animal life and the insects and the birds and so forth. But I have made human beings special because they are made in My image. I have made them to know Me and to be like Me in many ways. And so you will experience life as a flesh and blood creature, which is what Paul the Apostle calls to be of the earth. But at the same time, you're able to be objective about life, and you can see the spiritual side of life too. And so, our spiritual, our self conscious awareness of God as our creator, and to know that there is a God who loves us, those are the keys to human uniqueness. Now, our fall into sin, which the kids are going to be learning about this summer, that fall in, into rebellion has ruined. Many of the wonderful aspects of our uniqueness. And yet God says, you still carry My image. And the best thing for you to know in your life is to know Me, your God, and to know that you are My child. So our passage in Philippians tells us how God makes this new closeness not just as created in His image, but redeemed and recreated in His image, how that new closeness is possible to Him. How death has been turned into life. Now, God has acted astonishingly to bring us into His family. And He has treated you with the utmost dignity as a human being because He has invited you To have the very mind of Christ. God has not said, look, my way is too good for you. Just be content as saved human beings, but just be content to get by with animal instinct. Just learn to get by in this life. Learn how to just find enough food for yourself, how to survive, and that should be enough for you. No, God has said, I want you to have this mind, this attitude, which is the very mind of Christ. Enter into Christ's mind. Look at life the way Jesus looked at life. Follow the Spirit's lead into the very heart of God. And when you enter into the mind of Christ, you find it is a missions-minded Christ. And when you enter into the heart of God, you find that God's heart is set on world mission. And the Spirit of Christ will make any church who's filled with the mind of Christ set on having the heart of God God will make that a mission-minded church. Now, in order to capture this mind of Christ, uh, Paul qu- either wrote or quotes these beautiful verses in uh, verses 6-11. through 11. And I say possibly a quote from an early Christian hymn, or possibly Paul wrote that poem himself. Either way, it, um, it is a poem that shows how God has shaped your life now by the mind of Christ. This is to be your 24-7 outlook on life. Now, in the mind of Christ, the mind set on mission, there are just two directions to that life. That makes it simple for us to remember. Guys don't even have to ask for a map now. They won't even ask for a map ever, even no matter how much their wife is saying, please look at the map. I don't need a map. Well, this is something even the guys can get. Two directions in the ministry and the life and the mind of Jesus. Down and up. Period. Period. Kids, you can remember that. Down and up. Verses 6-8 through eight talk about the Son of God who comes down. Down to serve those who will admit that they are down and don't have it together. All Christ, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and then being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. (coughs) That is Paul's version of the Christmas story. It is not your or my warm version of the Christmas story. It is a very realistic, tough version of the Christmas story, but it was real for Jesus. Now there are so many intriguing details that theologians have gone into uh, in this uh, little poem and things that we don't have to be too worried about. Things like uh, what you know, exactly the form of God, what does that mean? Or the emptying of Christ, what exactly did that mean? But I think that Paul's main point is pretty clear. First of all, he is saying to us that the one who comes down for us is God. The one who took form in the Old Testament through various symbolic uh, ways such as the column of fire and smoke that led Moses and the uh, Israelites, the burning bush uh, where the voice of the Son of God came out of the bush to speak to Moses, the uh, manna in the wilderness, the water that gushed out of the rock after Moses hit the rock, those were all forms of uh, temporary uh, forms you might say, whether it was as an angel or some symbolic thing, uh, that's how the Son of God was with the people in the Old Testament. But now Paul says the One who took on flesh is the Son of God. He did not cling to His rights as God Himself and say, I will not leave the glories of heaven, but rather He gave up splendor for squalor. And yet He always remains God. That's the great mystery of our Savior. But the Son of God has come down on a mission. And once He had come down and was born of human flesh, nothing was too low for that God to do. He had to identify with you completely completely. To be a flesh and blood savior and to know human life and to be a human sacrifice for human sinners, he had to, I know your life completely. And so he kept going down. It wasn't that he was just bare, bare bones, he was just born, but it says that he was born and he discovers that he's a servant. He takes on a low position. And we read about that, of course, in, in Isaiah, um, that in 53 and so forth, that Lord did not stand on ceremony and say, uh, I've come from the splendors of heaven, come and worship me now. But rather, he literally and figuratively got down on his hands and knees. For example, in John 13, where he would bow down and literally t- grab the feet of his disciples to wash them. But He would say that is nothing compared to the service that I'm going to render because nothing short of the agonizing cross was enough to pay to make your record clean before God. He does not die a hero's death. He does not go down to become a man, but to be worshipped as a great warrior. But He keeps going down not to a glorious hero's death, but the death on the cross, the worst execution that the Romans could ever have invented. He Went down, down, for always down, so that he would be convicted with convicts and killed with convicts. That's how far, that's the mission of Jesus to go down. Now, I've said that we are to have the mind of Christ. What is it about the mind of Jesus here that we're to imitate? Um, are we to be like the, uh, those guys in some countries that go on a frenzy on Good Friday and, and beat themselves with whips and even have themselves uh, crucified? Have you ever seen pictures of, of that in the, in the newspaper or the magazines? I'm going to imitate my Savior and I'm going to have myself crucified. Is that remotely what Paul could have in mind here? No, what, see, what he's saying is, uh, from verse 4, we didn't read, but it's, Paul says, look out for the interests of others. And so, what Jesus in coming down is doing, he is saying your need for forgiveness and a new start with God are more important to me than my own life. And so what we are now called to imitate is that service outlook. You imitate the, not the actions of Jesus. That action is totally unique. Only Jesus could die the way He did for the sins of the world. But the mind of Christ is to imitate His outlook. To imitate His willingness to put another person's interests above your own. We're hearing a lot of talk about America number one. America, look out for yourself. Well, from a political point of view, people will have all kinds of opinions about that. And I can't comment on whether we as as a nation, from a political point of view, that's good policy or not. You decide that. But I tell you what good policy is within the body of Christ. Christ. Good policy from Jesus is your interests are more important to me than than making sure my interests are being met. I'm going to be on the lookout for you because my Savior was on the lookout for you. That is the mind that the Lord has given. And so will you bow down in your heart to meet Jesus at the place of His greatest Humiliation at the cross. It's at the cross where Jesus has gone down as far as he can possibly go. It's there that we, as, as believers, we find the quote the breaks that we need in life, where we find uh, the luck that we need, the uh, the help that we need. No, it's at the cross where we meet a dying Savior. Where we meet a friend who who's gone down because he thought, "You know that Gordon Woolard's interests are more important to me than my own life. I want him to be with me, and I want these folks here at grace to be with me. I'm putting my interests, their interests above my own. The mind of Christ for us then is to clothe ourselves with Jesus' humility. And it's amazing how that, in that humility there is disarming power to change lives. Not only our own lives, but I mean we do affect society. You think about what is happening in Egypt after just last week, dozens and dozens of believers. Believers like you came into churches like yours and then were blown up and killed uh, by assassins because they are believers. And after that, the forgiveness that the church, that the Christians were offering to those terrorists and those killers, the forgiveness that they were offering astounded the country of Egypt. The um, The leading talk show host, a Muslim guy, said where do they get the power to do that? We have nothing like that. And that's because those believers, uh, the relatives and the friends of those believers, had gone down with Jesus and put the interests of the salvation of their Muslim neighbors above their own Interests for revenge. So if Jesus' first direction is down, of course, what must be His other direction since there's only two? It must be up. And so the following verses speak about the great direction of Jesus' life, which is up. Therefore, also God highly exalted Him, and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul says here, he even practically invents a word and says that Jesus is super-exalted, It's not even enough just to be exalted, but Jesus is super exalted. And I think the reason He does that is because He realizes Jesus wears two crowns. His first crown He had already before He became a human being in that as the Son of God, He was already crowned as Lord with His Father, as Creator of all things. And that crown would have lasted for all eternity. That crown would have been enough. He didn't need anything else except to be God and to be the Lord. But, in the mind of Christ, He says, no, that's uh, I'm going to go on mission to rescue My people. And that attitude That willingness of the Son of God was pleasing to the Father. Because the Father and the Son in their mind, their outlook, their love for you, their mission for you is identical. Their commitment to you is identical. The Father wants exactly the same thing for you that the Son wants. And so, after having given His life, on the cross and the father gives him his seal of approval and raises him up and super exalts him and gives him a second crown which is now crown uh, as lord of salvation so he is both lord of creation and lord of salvation and the father lifts him to heaven with these two titles so christmas always leads to Easter. Down with the Lord Jesus Christ. Always leads to up with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how are we to respond to that Jesus? What does it mean to have this great mind of Jesus going down and being lifted up? What does it mean for you as an individual? What does it mean for Grace Church? Well, it first of all must mean for every one of you as an individual, to bow down before Him. Does the Lord Jesus have first place in your life? We bow down before the One who bowed down before us under death. As one of the old poets said, we hang upon Him who hung upon the cross. Have you done that? Have you made that commitment to the Lord Jesus? Now, that submission to the Lord Jesus is humbling for us, but it is not humiliating in the sense that death was humiliating for Jesus. And out of that humbling, we say to ourselves, you know, there's nothing that we can't give up for Jesus. The Lord said, if we seek our own life, we will lose it, but we will find life if we lose it by giving it to Jesus. So that's going down, going down as a church in prayer, humbling itself before the Lord, but then rising up to confess Him, to go up and out, to go out into the world, to confess Him as Lord of the universe. Are you willing to join Jesus' mission and to talk about him with other people, and I will say that is hard, and it 's getting harder, even in the best of days, in the easiest of days when people might have talked had some knowledge of the Bible, you know it was never easy for me to uh, to talk about the Lord. I was wondering, oh, what are they going to think and what if they get their feelings hurt? What if they think I'm bigoted or thinking I'm a holier-than-thou guy? <coughs> but I have to ask myself, what am I afraid of losing? If I've lost everything already to Christ's Lordship, what else is there for me to worry about? He is the absolute Lord, and so I have to give up all earthly schemes of earthly glory to Him. What can I lose further? My new life has already begun with Jesus. Your Father in heaven is honored as you give all things to His Son Jesus. And if the Father would raise up Jesus because He was so pleased with the mission accomplished, Will he not also raise you up with his son Jesus and place you in heaven with his son Jesus? Because you are the very objects of the quest of the Lord Jesus. As he honors, as the Father honors Christ, he will then honor you. It is the Father's delight to raise you up to heaven. Now I want to conclude. I see a couple of. kids still in the congregation. I know a number went out for their own church. But this is test time, kids. And if you don't pass the test, you're going to have to meet with me uh, and we'll have to go back over the whole sermon together. (laughs) But kids, listen to this. What did I say at the beginning? Up then down or down then up? Which comes first? Right, good, thank you. you. You don't have to stay afterwards then. It's down and then up. You know how often the church is tempted to reverse that? We want it now. We want the glory. We want the glory. And we forget that Jesus came down and gave His life before He was raised up. You remember what Jesus said about those who want to be first. They're going to end up last. But the last will be first. And so we need to think about down. Down in going out and to love other people. Down in helping them. But then up. To lift them up with the Gospel. What a great privilege to lift people's spirits with the hope of the Gospel. My brothers and sisters, the Christian calendar will always be Christmas, Good Friday, and then Easter. Now, right now, as believers, we're still living, in a sense, uh, in the humility of the Christmas season, of the humbling of the Son of God. And yet, we've lived through Good Friday We've celebrated, even just last week, we celebrated Easter. And so we're also not only a church that has gone down under the lordship of Jesus, but we are a church that's lifted up announcing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank You for the death that You died on our behalf. A death that won us heaven itself earned for us uh, from Your payment of Your life, the Holy Spirit. And now fill this church with the, with the glories of service and love from the Holy Spirit. Lord, bless this VBS that we've been talking about and may the kids that come this summer join Jesus on His mission to go down. But then may the kids of this church also uh, be ambassadors to the kids that do not know Jesus yet, and to lift them up with the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.